Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Appleton, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean. And we are getting ready to start another NFL season. The 2016 season will kick off just three days from now for Thursday night football, and then the Packers season will start in six days down in Jacksonville. And while the preseason concluded last Thursday and it looked like it was smooth sailing towards another um, hopefully playoff season and maybe more for the Green Bay Packers, a lot of that really took a back seat to the chaos that unfolded on cutdown day this past Saturday. And that included the absolutely shocking release of three-time All-Pro guard Josh Sitton. And there has been a lot of speculation and not many answers as to what may have happened there. And I guess we have no choice but to add our own speculation to that. But Matt, um, reading some of the accounts from the longtime Packers sports writers, um, they're really they were as baffled and as devoid of answers as the rest of us were. And uh, Bob McGinn of the um, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel said the last time he remembered anything close to this was when Forrest Gregg cut Lynn Dickey and tight end Paul Kaufman on the final cuts in 1986. But uh, maybe this isn't quite that big, um, but maybe more ex- unexpected given that Lynn Dickey would have been a broken down 37-year-old quarterback at the time and Josh Sitton just turned 30 and was an all-pro last year. Yeah, just crazy. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've done a lot of reading since I heard of the news, and it, at least there's some theories out there that may make some sense, but I I mean, for them to feel this way and keep it that well under wraps was, I think, the most shocking part, that, I mean, this was probably in their minds throughout the preseason, I would imagine, and for it to finally just come out on cut day, <laughs> for what, what we would consider, you know, one of the best five players on the team, and somebody who people have considered one of the best guards in the league for quite some time, mm-hmm. um, so to hear that, it looked like a mistake when I saw the headline. Yeah, and some of the theories that I have seen was that uh, Ted had told T.J. Lang and Josh Sitton that they were not going to be the top priority for negotiating contracts, and they weren't going to be talking to them until after the season, and they really wanted to focus on David Bakhtiari and J.C. Treader, who both are much younger uh, and less beaten up than those other two. And one of the theories I had read is that perhaps Sitton didn't take it very well or that there was an attitude problem. Because you'd think if they wanted to do a guy a solid, if they legitimately didn't think he could play anymore, um, you would think they would have released him a couple of weeks ago to maybe get a chance to catch on to somebody else's roster. But um, I, I, I guess I just don't know. There, there's so many things that don't make sense about this and maybe this is going to be our opportunity to just kind of throw everything we've read together in one place to make it a benefit of our listeners but one of the things Ted Thompson loves more than anything else is draft picks and they would have got a very nice compensatory pick even if uh, Sitton just probably sat on the bench they probably would have got a fourth or fifth round pick if he'd have played out the season and left in free agency and now they get nothing and TJ Lang who you maybe want to re-sign is Josh Sitton's best friend and now he's probably not feeling that good. And I always hear this discussion that it's good to create this environment where, you know, everybody is playing for their job and, and nobody seems above getting cut. And maybe that's true in theory, but I, I certainly know that in my work, nobody feels very good when somebody gets laid off or leaves. And it just makes everybody feel a little bit paranoid. And to me, um, the 
the risks outweigh the rewards. So Elaine Taylor, who had a terrible preseason, ha- it was named the starter today by Mike McCarthy. So he's got to come in, and you have a really tough two games to start the season. And if you start 0-2, and now everybody's fearful for their jobs, now all of a sudden it's a little bit harder to stay that extra three hours in the in the film room or the weight room. Right, and I think that you know where, where you had said maybe they caught him two weeks ago, I think the big things there were, one, they, they were trying to trade him, it sounds like, at least at the end. But two, um, rather than the team having two weeks to dwell on this where it's the most important thing, all of a sudden you, you have maybe a day to sit on it and you have a game coming up next this week and everybody's going to forget about it. That's true. I, they all have jobs to do and nobody can sit and dwell on that for too long and I feel like everybody kind of goes into week one feeling um, just as good as they would have anyways. So I, I think in a, a locker room full of professionals, they'll move on and it won't be as big of a deal as it seems like right now. Well, and I think they'll move on. It's not like anybody's going to bring up a mutiny against Ted Thompson or whatever, but, you know, it could change from somebody putting forth 100% effort to 90% effort, uh, a few guys, and I don't know, it just, I, I I would like to see how this all plays out, and with Ted, frustratingly, we never we will never know the whole story, but this just feels like, unless it was something really egregious from a personal or a character issue, this just seems bizarre to put... You had a team that had no holes, and you just ripped one in voluntarily. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think we like to blame Ted Thompson for maybe trying to get a little cute sometimes, but I, I really feel like there had to have been something going on behind the scenes for this to happen. Um, but, I mean, you look at the upside. Now, When as soon as, you know, J.C. Treader may move out of the starting center role, potentially, you know, once... Um, Corey Lindsley's back. You could potentially put him at center and, and move him over to guard and see how he does there. I mean, that's potential. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've got potential to put Spriggs in at the right tackle and move Bulaga in. I mean, they've got some options with a few guys. None of them, I don't think, are as good as sitting. But I, I think that was their thought as they had a lot of youth. And you have a guy who's up there in age, who's ha- got back problems, is going to require a lot of money to even get around again. Um, I don't know. I, I, it hurts <laughs> to see this guy go, but I, I think they still have some options. I'd be surprised if Lane Taylor is not playing real well if he stays in that starting lineup for very long. Yeah, they certainly have options, and honestly, if uh, Corey Lindsley was healthy, this would make a lot more sense than it does right yeah. now, and you know, maybe you're thinking about it long term, but you know, the cap hit wasn't that big, and I, I think everybody liked Josh Sitton, but we've seen this with a lot of different players. I mean, we got over them cutting Charles Woodson, so I think we can get over them cutting Josh Sitton, but it just, uh, it's strange, and... Um, you know the the Patriots did this with Lawyer Malloy and then went fourteen and two and had the best defense they ever had. So it, it's it's not unprecedented and it doesn't mean it's going to end the season. But man, I, I wish I, I I wish in this particular case for my own personal satisfaction that the Packers were a team that weren't as tight lipped about their back uh, behind the scenes uh, dealings because I I'm dying to know why this happened. Yeah, if, if there's something that maybe in a backwards way makes me weirdly feel better is that he signed with the Bears because it seems like Ted Thompson has a history of knowing when these guys are kind of coming to an end and it seems like the NFC North always signs these players mm-hmm. and the Bears drop a three-year over $7 million yeah. contract on this guy who's over 30 and it, from the sounds of it basically to make sure he didn't leave the building and go visit another team so they overpaid him a bit. Yeah. So <laughs> they tie up a ton of salary cap on a guy that's over 30 and 
and is banged up and has a bad back. I mean, this just kind of sounds like a recipe that two years from now we're going to say, yeah, wow, that was the right move because he's not going to be a great bear, I feel. Yeah, and while the Packers move is a head-scratcher, it still makes more sense than giving Josh Sitton $7 million a year when he had to drop 20 pounds to take pressure off of his back during the yeah. offseason. So, I mean, it, it's not like they cut... Um, you know, Jordy Nelson or something, but it just, um, it, it's a weird move, but yeah, for the Bears to go out and pay sitting more than the Packers were going to pay him is just lunacy, in my opinion. Yep. So, I, I wish we had more to say about that. I mean, we basically just regurgitated everything we've heard about it, and uh, if, if anybody's heard anything different that we weren't able to cover in the last few minutes, please post it on the Facebook page, because this is a very fluid situation, I would imagine, and Perhaps as we're talking right now, more will come up. It's about 2 p.m. Central Time when we're recording this so um, on uh, Labor Day, so I'm sure there will be more that comes out since after this is posted, of course. But um, very, very interesting situation. Uh, a couple of other surprising cuts, uh, not huge. Uh, of course, since we last spoke, we had the whole change up with the punting situation and uh, now we got uh, the new guy I can't even remember his name other than people women on Facebook seem to think he's very attractive is it shum or scum I think it's shum right well he'll get a chance to prove if he's scum or not but yeah that's uh, very reminiscent of the 2013 backup quarterback situation in that they said well we got I believe at the time it was was it Graham Harrell or no it was um who was that seventh-round pick, that guy who wasn't very good? Um, shoot, now I can't remember. It was Vince Young and B.J. Coleman that they were going oh, to yeah. see if he was going to be the backup quarterback, and then it looked like Vince Young won the competition, and then they just got rid of everybody and brought in Tolzien, which turned out to actually be a pretty decent move. But um, it's strange how you have a, a camp competition, and then you basically are having this for a month, and then over the course of two days you say, you know what, both of you guys stink. Let's get some brand-new fresh blood in. Yeah, and I kind of agreed with that part. I guess we don't really know what what Shum's going to be like yet. I mean, he played pretty well in one preseason game, but that doesn't say much. You always kind of fear of a guy who couldn't make the Buccaneers. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, I I couldn't stand Matt stay around for another season, so if there's an alternative with some upside, I'm willing to take a shot at it. Well, apparently, though, field goal holding is like the rarest skill, the way you hear people concerned about Mason Crosby now. Yeah, yeah, I think he'll be just fine. <laughs> I don't know about Mason, but <laughs> I'm sure he'll still continue to make all of those game-tying field goals and those field goals to put us up by 35, but um, he'll still miss all of those uh, when we're down by two as the clock expires. I'm sure he'll he's still miss all some those. clutch ones the last couple years at least. That's, I mean, that's a, historically his MO, but he's turned that around a little bit. I don't think he has ever hit a field goal that has brought us from behind to put us ahead to win the game. He's He's made a bunch when we were tied. Or he's sure. made a bunch to tie, and I think he's only had maybe five in his career, but I think he's missed every one where we were losing and could have been ahead as time expires. And uh, so I guess that's just me making fun of him for the biggest whiff in history last year against the Lions. But I would I would uh, recommend some of our listeners to go back and look at that because I'm pretty sure that Crosby has never made a from-behind-to-go-ahead um, buzzer-beater kick. And, and that one was blamed on the holder, right? So apparently Mastay wasn't even that great at it to begin with. I think it was at first, but then watching the replay, it just looked like he... It's just terrible. <laughs> yeah, it was the worst ever. Hopefully we won't be in that situation too much. 
Uh, the other stories coming out, um, both Carl Bradford and Sam Barrington got released, which, um, not a huge shock, but I guess a little eyebrow-raising that they... Uh, Barrington kind of struggled, but um, it was difficult to watch those preseason games and not notice Carl Bradford, so I thought he does somehow find his way on the team. Yeah, yeah, and he was always around, and luckily he's going to stay on the practice squad because right now we're looking at a squad with only three inside linebackers, which in a 3-4 is cutting it pretty tight. Oh, so, I didn't even yeah. see he re-signed. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, he's practice squad. So, um, I mean, you've got Jake Ryan, Blake Martinez, and Joe Thomas as your the two of the of the three of those are going to be on the field at all time, which makes me feel a little uneasy. Yeah, um, I mean, at least you have some depth there. I, I think signings are pretty much done at this point, so it sounds like that's what we're going to have. Yeah, they nabbed somebody uh, running back from the Vikings practice squad too. So, um, his name is uh, Jarrell Presley. I guess he's also a kick returner. So, um. It'd be interesting to see if he pans out, but it's fun to finally steal somebody from some, from the Vikings for once, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, they did end up keeping seven wide receivers, and they kept all of their draft picks from this year. And so, it, <laughs> it's I'm sure it's not the case, but it's still it, it almost seems like Ted Thompson was like, "Well, I need to make a spot because I loved my draft picks so much, at least for the first two years, that I have to find a spot for him." So I guess we'll have to release Josh Sitton. Yeah, that's 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 probably in 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 true what that what this is all about here is just had to keep a seventh rounder on the roster. Yeah, I know. Well, there's probably part of me, or like maybe point five percent of Ted though, that after he cuts it and was like, oh, thank God, I can now keep this, you know, fourth string uh, yeah. <laughs> guy that I found in the draft, or another six undrafted free agents he also kept. Um, but the seven wide receivers, um, I guess, still. I'm not that surprised because it seemed to be in the cards when you saw how much talent they had amongst those seven guys. But I guess I was just, um, I guess I was just still a little surprised to actually see it happen. Yeah, me too. I, we kind of theorized all preseason on who was going to get released because you assumed somebody had to, and they all made it. And I think you know Aberdares made it, so at the end he couldn't be the one to get cut. And you know, as cuts approached, I kind of figured Janice was going to get let. let go um but i mean all the other guys i mean as much as we uh thought maybe Devonte adams might get on the chopping block it probably wasn't realistic um so i mean you had to keep trevor davis i mean i think janice was the only one that you could see potentially going and everybody stayed and they got geronimo allen back to the practice squad too who they liked a lot oh i didn't see that either so i i haven't seen any of the guys who are on the practice squad other than that minnesota vikings person and he's not on the practice squad i think he you got to put him on your main roster if you select yeah, somebody so. But, yeah, I mean, most of the other names on there aren't, I barely even recognize, they're all kind of the, the fourth quarter preseason guys, but the big ones are just Bradford, Geronimo Allison, um, and honestly, that's about it. Sure. <laughs> I mean, like, the defensive tackle, Brian Price. Um, oh, that's cool. He, he put, yeah, he Jermaine that. Whitehead, safety, uh, the rest are just kind of those names you hear once or twice during the preseason. Sure, well, it's good that they were able to keep some of those guys, because I really liked Allison, and I liked uh, Bradford, and... Um, the thing with Janice is I wonder if he was able to get his spot or or solidify his position more by being willing as a wide receiver to play with a club so he could still play special teams, which I've never seen that. And I wonder if that didn't really show the coaches that, hey, this guy is here to contribute no matter where we want him. He's not. It didn't go to his head that he had 101 yards in one drive in a playoff game. 
Yeah, and didn't quit. I mean, you'd think a guy in the fighting for a roster spot who gets no time at receiver and is only hearing criticism about how he is in practice and not getting open, and to have a club put on it to go out there and play special teams. I think that is. I think that's big. That's got to look good to the coaches. Yeah, absolutely. So, and and he's good in that position. He's yeah. he's really good. I I don't know if he's to Jarrett Bush level yet, but he's he's close. All right, so. So there's a lot of the different roster things going on. Um, I guess I don't really remember much from the game other than um, they kept Joe Callahan. I suppose we could talk about that. That was maybe a little bit of a surprise. But when you and I were texting, once he made that throw to the back of the end zone to Jared Cook, that's an NFL throw, and we both thought they can't, they will not be able to get him past waivers after that throw. Yeah, and, and he's been making those throughout the preseason. I think especially with Hunley being banged up, as everybody's talked about, it's, it'd be kind of risky to let him go because then all of a sudden you're you're left with one banged up guy if Rodgers goes down, and then what? So, I mean, yeah. you're, you kind of had to keep a third guy, whether it was Callahan or you pick somebody up, but I think he's shown enough that you'd at least feel okay if you had to put him in there for a half or something. Yeah, definitely, and uh, <laughs> hopefully that's not going to happen. And I, I don't think the injury is that serious um, to... Gosh, I'm blanking on his name already. You just said it. <laughs> Who's our regular backup quarterback? Oh, oh, Brett Hundley. Brett Hundley. Jeez, I was thinking of Bart Houston because I want to talk about that next. But <laughs> it's Labor Day. I think our last year Labor Day broadcast was pretty lousy too. So I just my brain doesn't work when it's not on the clock. I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I, I hopefully that they won't need him too much. But uh, one thing I did see today talking about injuries is that Mike McCarthy announced that there are going to be no restrictions on playing time for Jordy Nelson in the opener. So that's that's exciting. Yeah, yeah, I sure would hope so. I mean, after having no time at all in the preseason, you're a little worried about that and just going full-fledged right away week one against live action. But yeah. I, I think he can handle it, and we definitely need him to be able to handle it. And let's use that topic to springboard us into some overall reflections of the preseason and I guess I can start since that discussion brought this to mind is that I still am very nervous about if this passing game can really be a big improvement over what it was last year and I know we haven't seen Jordy Nelson but and and we we saw Rodgers for two series so I there's no reason to believe it can't get better, but to expect it to get better without seeing it, I think, would be a little bit foolish, too, especially seeing that Devontae Adams is still going to be a big part of the team, and he couldn't get open against fourth stringers who might not even be on the Chiefs anymore. It seems like if that guy has any contention for his spot, for the spot he's trying to get to, he just kind of falls and flails his arms. I, I, he's such a big physical specimen, but he seems to forfeit all of that physical advantage whenever anybody puts any pressure on him. And I, if, if they're going to rely on him the way they did last year, that this offense could still struggle. Yeah, I'm terrified, to be honest with you, because I, it, this is the exact same roster, basically, now, I mean, with Jordy that you had last year that couldn't do it at all. And You've still got Devontae. Luckily, it, it does appear Cobb is maybe a little more healthy, a little, little bit more explosive. But until you see Jordy out there, I mean, what's to make you believe that it's any better? I mean, when yeah. Rodgers was out there, it wasn't. He was still scrambling around when there was no need. People weren't getting open. It. I mean, the only thing you can pray is that the coaching of that got better with mm-hmm. these guys over the offseason. And, and the small sample size, it wasn't. So, I, yeah. yeah, until Jordy's out there, I don't know how you can feel too comfortable with it. And Jared Cook looked good. Which is that's nice. true. That that's a big addition. I didn't forget about that. I think that helps a lot. And it's nice to see Ty Montgomery healthy. But again, 
he's a fifth wide receiver at best right now. Yeah. And so how much can you really expect a guy with, what, 10 career catches to really be a huge impact? And I, part of me was hoping that – it sounds terrible because it's a guy's livelihood, but part of me was hoping that Devontae Adams would have been amongst the cuts. And I know that they're still thin at wide receiver. They have a lot of depth, but a lot of their depth is all potential. It's not based on any kind of production. Um, and I know last time I said I'd like to see him get another opportunity, but that was before seeing him play against, like, Kansas City did not play one starter in that game. All 22 of their starters were healthy scratches, and Devontae Adams still couldn't get open. He was he caught one of his five targets, and that was a ridiculously contested ball. I, I, I'm, I'm, I think I've completely given up that this guy, it, I don't know if it's in his head or whatever, but he's a huge physical specimen, and he can't use that size to his advantage at all. Yeah, welcome aboard the train I've been riding for about a year now. It's uh, it's good to have you. But I, I think it's clear what he is at this point. It, it's like things like this don't change. A football player, I mean, he can improve his skills, but the football player is what he is. And like you mentioned, it's the going up and getting balls. It's 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 the mental and physical just instincts that a player has that you know you see players who you can develop have these things even if they don't have the tools yet. And he has all the tools, but just does not have mm-hmm. the instincts that he needs to have to be an NFL wide receiver, I don't believe. And, and I think it's a mentality, and I wish I could think of a player to make this example mean more, but to me, it's like rebounding. You can be seven feet tall, and you could be ripped to shreds, but if you don't have the mentality where, you know what, I don't care if I get elbowed in the face or if I get punched in the stomach, I'm getting this ball, it is mine, I'm bringing it down rebounding is a mentality. You can have the physical advantage, but if you're not willing to go up there and take the pounding, you're not going to be a good rebounder. And I feel like that's a bit with being a good physical receiver. I mean, think of all those guys Detroit drafted over the years that were Charles Rogers and Mike Williams were huge physical specimens. And then they'd have these small little guys that would just, you know, beat them to their spot or beat them up on the line of scrimmage. And they just could never do anything with it. And you're not going to just be good being a speed guy. Look at a guy like Greg Jennings. He was not very fast at all, but if you got his your hands on him, he could get you off of him. He could beat you to your spot. He'd fight for his spot, and he was able to be not only as successful at, at making space, but if he didn't have any space, he could still make catches. And frankly, it doesn't appear like Adams has either of those skills. No. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I, do you think that if... Uh, do you think they'll give enough opportunities to Jeff Janis and Ty Montgomery that they can um, kind of take his spot, and maybe Jared Cook as well, to kind of take his spot in the offense as the season progresses? You know, I could, I could maybe see it with, with Davis and Aberderis, I would think. Uh, I think they're going to get their opportunities. I, I'm not sure about Janis yet at this point, but mm-hmm. I, I would sure think that over the course of a long season, if he keeps playing like he's been playing, that you could see a couple guys slip past him on the roster. And I know they think highly of Montgomery. I mean, he's he's going to take a lot of the targets away already, um, mm-hmm. probably, because he was playing so well last year in the beginning of the season, and that's kind of what forced Devontae to catch more balls is when he went down. So yeah. I, I think you got a lot of guys hungry for his spot, and I think we could see him slide down to fifth or sixth by the time the season's done. And maybe he'll respond to that challenge. I guess there's maybe maybe I'm still looking for my next exit off the Devontae Adams hate bandwagon that I just joined. But um, yeah, the 
that last seeing him struggle so much in that last preseason game. Like, do you remember when James Jones and Greg Jennings early in their careers, even Jordy Nelson, would play in like the fourth preseason game and they'd yeah, look like superstars? Yeah, they were Jerry Rice. I mean, just destroying people. And to see him struggle so much against people who might not even be in football today is just really telling about his trajectory. Any other big stories in the preseason? Any other concerns or um, hope spots or anything that you saw that uh, has your interest? Uh, I, I guess not really Packer-related. I mean, I, I think this team has a chance to be a little bit better than they were last year. I, I think the offensive line of healthy is going to be better. I mean, you've got Jared Cook. Uh, the secondary is another year older and, and more experienced. I think they, I mean, in the window that we have with a lot of the veteran players on the roster, we're getting close to that with some of these guys and you saw one of the main pieces get released so mm-hmm. I, they may have a chance when Rodgers gets older to do it with some younger guys again but I think in terms of you know the core of Jordy and Clay and and no longer sitting and, and Peppers and some of these guys and Sam Shields I mean this is one of the last year or two that you're going to have a shot with these guys as your main pieces yeah and again a lot of those guys didn't play very much but I think the Packers had like the second or third fewest points allowed in the NFL during the preseason. And they played some really, really rough, bad teams. But I think at times, even like when they were playing the starting Raiders offense for quite a while, and, you know, San Francisco's garbage, but um, I think that there's a chance that this defense could mature altogether in the next year or two. And I I think we talked about this earlier in the offseason that, Rodgers' best chance to ever win a Super Bowl again is maybe to be a more balanced version of what Denver did last year or what Seattle has been, where he's still a good quarterback who can bail you out of some games. But I don't. I think the days of Aaron Rodgers going on the road and beating great teams in the playoffs, thirty-five to twenty-eight. I think those are gone. I think he, if he's going to win playoff games, he's going to do it in the lower 20s, and he's going to need the defense to really kind of bail him out of some games when he's not playing too well. And this team maybe has the potential to do that. Yeah, and, and I mean definitely on a smaller scale. I don't think in the rest of Rodgers' career do we have an, enough time to build a defense like those teams, I don't think. No. Um, but I, I mean, your secondary is great. You've got a couple of pass rushers. I'm still very concerned up the middle with the inside linebackers and the defensive tackles. But, I mean, from what we've seen the last few, and not to mention Tom Capers, too, I always, until we get through a full season again like 2010, I'm going to be scared that they're just going to fall apart. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, you've got the potential to do it, that's for sure. Sure. So we will discuss week one and the Packers um, in a little bit, but, well, I guess I was going to talk about the Badgers, but the there was two very major quarterback injuries that perhaps we should talk about. One of them greatly affects the Green Bay Packers, and that is Teddy Bridgewater dislocating his knee um, very severely. He completely tore the ACL, and he completely separated his tibia from his fibula, um, which just sounds horrific. And the most terrifying part of it is that he wasn't even touched when it happened. He must have just put his weight wrong, or st- I don't even know how that could have happened that severely. But, um, you know, this obviously is going to make things perhaps a bit easier for the Packers to win the NFC North. Um, but obviously. I would be lying if I said that wasn't one of the first things I thought. But I also am very disappointed for Teddy. And, um, you know, I, I, I feel I feel bad for 
you know, the good Viking fans that this happened to them. Yeah, you had me right till that last part there. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I feel super bad for Teddy though. I mean, it's just horrible for a guy that a lot of people thought looked really good this off season and this preseason and thought could take another step and to just like that. I mean, you don't want to speculate, but definitely career is on the line with how he rehabs. It it just hurts to see somebody whose livelihood is just cut down like that. And that's such a freak thing that you don't even think like a human body can do that to yeah. itself. Um, to land on your own leg that way. And I'm glad there has been no video of it released that I've seen yet because I, I f- would feel tempted to watch it, but I'm sure I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, I think it was um, a private practice, so there probably isn't any like cell phone yeah. cams or anything. Yeah, um, so just reading the description is just makes your stomach turn. Mm-hmm. But, I, I mean, in terms of the Packers, I mean, I definitely would rather face a, a Sam Bradford-led Vikings team than a Teddy Bridgewater one, even though they were, what, I think third to the bottom in passing or something like that last year. Yeah. I, I think they had the potential to be a lot better this year, where now that you sign Bradford, who at this point, apparently... I'm the only one who maybe thinks this way, but you've seen what you're going to get from him. Yeah. And it, it doesn't terrify me too much. Whatever secret papers that Rick Meyer had on the whole NFL to get traded for two first-round draft choices, I think he passed along to yeah, Sam Bradford. I, uh, I just... Yeah. You when, you when I heard about this, I just... I was like, oh my goodness. Like, they got completely fleeced. Like, what a great trade for the Eagles. Like... I can't believe Minnesota did this. This is another Herschel Walker. They completely blew it. Um, how are you going to trade all these picks for just a, a guy for one season who's below average and had like, a, like a, what, like a forty QBR last year? Yeah, forty one, I think. Yeah. And then I'm like listening to ESPN and stuff, and everybody's like, "Oh, what a great trade! You get this guy with all these physical <laughs> tools." And I'm like, "Are you kidding me? Like, well, how does this happen? I, I swear to God, he's given every dollar he's made on a contract to reporters and the media just to talk him up all the time." He's the quarterback, like this, Jeff Fisher. He gets traded for a first rounder and an extra picks last year, yeah. and then stinks. Gets signed to a long term contract worth a bunch of money, and then gets traded for another first rounder. Like I've, I don't think we've ever seen anything like this. Yeah, but he was ten for ten against Green Bay in the third preseason game, though, Matt. <laughs> he just tore him to shred. Yeah, I, I, even the Rick Meyer one is not even close. I. I don't get it at all to the point where I can't even say anything clever about it or bring up any kind of analogy. Like you've said, we have seen everything that this guy has to offer. And my only thought seeing how much they gave up for him is that the Vikings aren't letting on how badly Teddy Bridgewater is hurt. They said he was going to make a complete recovery and that he would be fine. And the fact that they were going to give up that much to get Sam Bradford tells me that they're not sure he's going to play in 2017 either. Because otherwise, why would you do this? Right. Yeah, and that's the only thing is they're desperate. They feel they've got a team that can potentially make a championship run, which I would still argue against that. Um, Yeah, with or without Teddy. Adding Bradford doesn't make you that team, and I would think they would recognize that. It just seems... To me, foolish. I mean, to spend a first-round pick, you could have maybe, if you're that scared, draft another quarterback next year. I mean, you're not going to win a Super Bowl with Sam Bradford. Mm-hmm. And to mortgage your future for a year on that, it just seems silly to me. Yeah, and I don't know, maybe uh, Zimmer was crying and he said, we will rally around Sam Bradford and we will play good football. <laughs> and then they're then they're going to win the Super Bowl with Sam Bradford. It, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me. The way that this preseason has gone and with a lot of the stuff going on, um, I don't. This just feels ripe for one of those really wacky years where somebody really weird wins the MVP and some. Yeah, like the Bears win the NFC North or something. Yeah, (laughs) 
it just feels like that kind of season. And, you know, Dak Prescott takes Dallas to the Super Bowl or something weird like that. Um, Tony Romo is hurt. Um, I think we talked about that last time, right? That's happened since before. Yeah, I think so. Who, who did they sign? San- the Sanchez. They got him now. Yeah, they, they got the Sanchez. They're back up. And so that means, I, th- I think we made fun of his name last time, but it's Simeon, right, for Denver yeah, now? Trevor Simeon, yeah. Trevor Simeon. So, gosh, I... I can't – maybe Denver in 1999 was the last time that you've had a Super Bowl champion with that big of a downgrade at quarterback. Yeah, I certainly can't think of one. You think about the teams that had a different quarterback the following year, but they, they were generally the not great quarterbacks. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess Peyton wasn't great last year either. No, that's so true. I guess – I don't even know if you can say it. I'd say that Broncos team was a lot bigger downgrade than this one with the way Peyton played last year. Uh, yeah, I would I would think so too. And um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. A lot of people are still predicting Denver to be there and, and really good. And I guess for me, uh, I know we had our prediction show already, but now that they got Trevor Simeon at quarterback, and if he goes down, they have um, they got Paxton Lynch. Did they add another guy? I didn't see if they did or not, but I, I would think they'd have a third stringer. But I think that's their one and two. But I think everybody is talking about this great Denver defense from last year. And that's these are the types of situations where I wish more people would be uh, have some working knowledge of NFL history before 2012, which is all it seems like you need to have to be on NFL Network or a pundit on any of these shows. Dominant defenses outside of Seattle a couple years with the Jets with Rex Ryan, you know, a couple of the the pre-teams before the free agency, that you're not the number one defense year in and year out. What Seattle's done the last three years is unprecedented. Nobody's ever done that. And to expect Denver, which was a middle-of-the-road defense in 2014 and was an atrocious defense in 2013, to just continue to be able to contend for championships with no support from their offense seems pretty silly to me, and I think that uh, Denver's in deep trouble this year. Yeah, and I think... If you think about history, too, with things like this, I mean, they have all the makings of a team with a drop down. Yep. You lose, uh, I, I can't remember the, I mean, they lost Danny Trevathan, they lost their defensive tackle, whose name's escaping me right now, but was a big piece. Yeah. And now you're hearing all, Akeem Tlaib shoots himself, and it's apparently like it's been a problem in the locker room. I mean, just all these things you hear, and then on top of that, to put them with a bad, what's probably going to be a bad offense. Yeah. It, uh, it just has all the makings of a, a 16th ranked defense or something like that. Yeah, absolutely, because, you know, even as bad as Peyton Manning was, it was kind of like when Brett Favre was old, that in the minds of the defense, it's like, well, you're looking at the film, he's not playing very well, but that's still Peyton Manning. You know, if if we put our guard down, as maybe the Packers did last year, he's still he's still a legend, and he can maybe still do it, or at least enough to where it makes all your defenders a step slow because they're still afraid of his reputation. Nobody's afraid of Trevor Simeon. Well, and, and on top of that, too, you give literally all of your money to a, a linebacker who had, I think, ten and a half sacks last year. Yeah. So a very disruptive player, but you're putting all of your eggs in that basket and giving a guy like that a contract with in a position where even at their best, it doesn't, I mean, it alters maybe a handful of plays a game. Yeah. Yeah, and at most. Where... I, yeah, I mean, I think we both predicted them to have about six or seven wins this year, right? And I think yeah. I'm feeling good about that. Yeah, me too. 
Yeah, I think I had six and ten. Um, one thing I was doing before um, we were waiting to connect here. So last year we had that show where I talked about the greatest teams in the history of the NFL, and I had this complicated formula that I set up. And um, we had a comment on the Facebook page, and I'm sorry, I don't have it open right now, so I don't remember who it was from. But it was from a new fan or at least a new commenter, so we definitely appreciate that. And he wanted uh, us to do a BCS-style history of all the teams and predict a Super Bowl, which would have been the best BCS-style Super Bowl for each season, and then predict who I think would win. And I appreciate that you think I'm capable of that, but uh, I, I do actually have a full-time job, so that would be... Pre- be- <laughs> yeah, that would take forever. Just you, I didn't see that comment, but you just reading that made me be like, oh, man, that's way too much work. Yeah, and I... Uh, but the closest we have is we did have that show that we did last year, so if you didn't have a chance to hear that, I definitely recommend that. But I did plug in last season's teams finally, and it was funny because when I first did it, there's a correction you have to make. So essentially the methodology is you take a bunch of different statistics um, from each team and then you um, compare them to the hypothetical average team from a given year. And so, for example, it says a certain team is 5% better than the average team from the year in which they competed, and that's how you can compare different years. In order to do that, you have to make sure that if you say that a team forced um, 25 turnovers and the league average was to force 30, uh, you have to make sure that you account for the the, the – De- defensive stats need to have a negative one attached to them. Does that make sense? Because <laughs> otherwise, uh, you lost me a little bit, but I believe you. Well, anyways, the Saints had like the worst passing uh, or defense ever last year, and because I didn't times that percentage change by negative one, it said the Saints of last year were one of the best teams in history when I first did huh. it. Because <laughs> essentially, it's saying instead of the seventy percent worse than the average team, they were seventy percent better. Does that make sense? Sure. All right, well, the long story short is the Carolina Panthers were the best team from last year, and since the merger, which is uh, 1,349 teams, the Carolina Panthers were last year's best team, and they were 38th, um, 20% better on average than the hypothetical average team in the league. Next closest was the Arizona Cardinals that were 69th best all-time. Uh, Denver was all the way down 151. They were the best AFC team. But, uh, yeah, it, Carolina should have beaten uh, Denver if, uh, by a lot if you look at the history there. Sure. Yeah, I wouldn't argue that they were the best team. You just get beaten one game. Yeah, which um, I wonder what they'll do this year. I can't remember what what we predicted on them. But um, th- it'll be interesting to see how if Carolina bounces back because they were just such a surprise last year. Yeah, I think they will. I, I think we both predicted them to have, like, about... 12, 13 wins, I'm pretty sure. Well, that division kind of stinks. So, yeah. Okay, so let's talk, before we do our picks, let's talk about the big thing that happened in Wisconsin this weekend, and that is the Wisconsin Badgers taking on LSU at Lambeau Field and actually beating LSU 16-14 to in a pretty darn entertaining game. And, you know, we're, we're not a Badgers show, so we don't have to go super in-depth into this, but I felt like that really... I, I don't know if it really rescued the program or prevented a huge collapse, but I think it solidified them that now if they have some more of these big losses and somehow win the the Big Ten West this year and get pounded by Michigan, I think that they have they have now cemented themselves as a next tier great program that they're not gonna slide out of for a while. 
Yeah, that sure helps a lot because I mean you lose a you lose a coach and you lose a lot of good players to the NFL. And I mean, we on an earlier show this year were wondering if they were even going to go five hundred. Mm-hmm. And you get a win like that—that's just a program changer, basically. I mean, to win a game like that at Lambeau, not pretty, but I mean, for anybody who saw it, that defense was incredible. And mm-hmm. it, although it was an ugly game, I—I I mean, I'm—you got to be proud of the way they played and inspired by it too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, that's a complete program changer. You hate to—I heard that they lost Orr today for the season, their linebacker. Yeah. Uh, which is a bummer, but I mean, yeah, this team could still, I mean, very well make it their way to a Big Ten championship game this year, even with a really tough schedule. Well, they really only have to beat Iowa, I think, and yep, I'll be curious to see what happens to the Big Ten as a whole, because all of the really, the top Big Ten teams, which I think are Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State, I would honestly put Wisconsin as the fourth best hit year in and year out for probably the last decade or more. They're probably yep. ahead of Iowa as far as that. In oh, yeah. But they, for the last four or five years, have avoided one another. And for whatever reason, the scheduling formula or rotation, they're all playing each other this year. And I feel like even the winner of the Big Ten could potentially have two losses, and you wonder if that's going to prevent any of them from going to the playoff. Yeah, it very well could. I I mean, it seems like going into this year, Ohio State and Michigan are cream of the crop but and they played not until the last week so it'd be pretty exciting to see both those teams run the table i mean i'd obviously like to see the badgers beat them but Mm -hmm. i mean it could be a very exciting finish yeah and i think for the badgers purposes is that now they have that murderer's row of a schedule where they play michigan state michigan ohio state iowa all in a row three or four on the road that if they don't win any of those i think the program doesn't look that bad off because they were able to beat lsu Right, and I I think going into the season, I I may not have predicted them to beat any of those teams, but after you see, you know, how good this defense was last year, and how good they played against an SEC team, which say what you will about their quarterback, but they've got five SEC offensive linemen Mm -hmm. uh, at a top program and the best running back in the country, and you shut them down, I, I think you're very capable of staying in every single game and probably winning a couple of those. Yeah, definitely. It would be nice if they could win at least one of those. Yeah, I'm um, sure they won't. I, I feel like. Enough to do that. Yeah, and I, I think out of all those four, I, I don't think they have a chance of beating Michigan at the Big House. But they could steal one from Ohio State. They could definitely beat Iowa. And Michigan State plays 16 14 to everybody. They played Furman the other night, and it was like a 28 14 kind of drag them out kind of game. And so they could definitely beat Michigan State, too, I think. Uh, the one thing I wanted to say, too, is that Lambeau, I don't know why, but my brain wasn't prepared to see the overhead shot of Lambeau. The red. The red and the purple. Yeah. To see no green in Lambeau was just a shock to the eye. <laughs> yeah, it was really bizarre. It almost made it feel like it was like a, an, an exhibition and not a real game or something. It, it was sort of bizarro, I agree. Yeah, but I thought it looked cool, and I was pleasantly surprised that there were that many Badger fans. I kind of was thinking that more LSU fans would get some of those the tickets that the Packers could sell and were buying them off of the secondary market. I expected it to be closer than half to half and half, and I think it was probably 70-30 for the Badgers. Yeah. Um, and the success of this, too, apparently uh, there has been some rumors going around that the Packers really thought it went well. Um, it didn't hurt the field very much, and so there's talk now. There was already talk that there might they might be pursuing a lesser bowl game. But there's talk now that they might let some non-Wisconsin teams do neutral site games in in, uh, Green Bay, and one of them that they talked about was Notre Dame. And how cool would that be? Yeah, that would be really cool. 
So hopefully that continues because I think, um, I don't know, just me living 30 minutes away, I just feel like uh, it can only be good for the community as a whole to kind of have more. you you got to do more with Lambeau Field with how much the community has spent on it and how great of a venue it is. You have to have more than 10 Packer games and a Ke- Kenny Chesney concert every year. Yeah, and I mean, they're one of the only major stadiums that doesn't do that already, that doesn't have bowl games and whatever, so it, it'll be pretty cool if they start having more. I'd definitely like to, even if it's a you know a random game, I'd, I'd go check it out too. Yeah, definitely. It was cool, uh, me living in Appleton, to see downtown Appleton on Friday night just had LSU fans everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was kind of cool to see that, uh, you know, little old Appleton actually has, for one day, had a footprint that was bigger than our little slice of Wisconsin. Yeah. Okay, so with that, let, let's go to our week one picks. And Matt, you beat me in 2014 in picks, and then last year I beat you by six games. Yeah, crushed me. Although both of us were pretty bad. I had a winning percentage of, uh, or a correct percentage, I guess, of 59.7, and you had 57.3. So um, both of us would have maybe missed the playoffs in baseball. Okay, let me... Uh Get to the schedule. We start with a Super Bowl rematch, which is the Carolina Panthers traveling to Denver. But again, as we talked about earlier in the show, these teams, at least in Denver's case, will be uh, a bit different. And Carolina, who had a great offense last year, now gets back Calvin Benjamin also. Yeah, I I can start this one, I think. With how we've talked this show already, people know what we're going to pick, but I'm going to pick Carolina on the road. Yeah, absolutely. I I would be very surprised if Denver was able to win this one. So I will take uh, uh, Carolina as well. All right, the Vikings traveling to Tennessee to take on the Titans. Um, I would assume Sean Hill will start week one, but I don't yeah, know. I haven't I would seen think so. Yeah, who do you got in that one? Man, I, I had the Vikings going in, but I'm tempted to change now. But it, it's tough because they still have that defense. They still have the offensive line. Uh, this is a really hard one, actually. I think I will stick with Minnesota by a hair. Yeah, I am going to agree with you, too. I I want to see if Tennessee... They still don't seem to have enough playmakers in the passing game to really make Mariota that much better than he was last year, but it's intriguing to see what will happen with that one-two punch of Derrick Henry and uh, DeMarco Murray. But I, Yeah, it, yeah it's, it's hard to pick them until we actually see it, just because they've been so bad for a couple of years. Yeah, agreed, and for that reason, I think that, you know, I think that might be a pretty dynamic tandem later on in the season, perhaps by the time the Packers travel out to Tennessee, but not week one. The Staying in the division, the Bears traveling to play the Houston Texans, and it sounds like J.J. Watt is going to play, uh, which it sounded like he was going to miss six weeks, and now he's back already, so um, perhaps Al Jazeera America will have something to say about that. But uh, I will take I will take Houston because... Um, Chicago still has a lot of question marks, and uh, Houston, I know it's the preseason, and I seem to take it more seriously than anyone, but Houston looked really good in the preseason. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you here, too. Another really tough game. It could definitely go either way, but I still like that Houston defense, and um, I guess I have a little bit more confidence in them so far than the Bears, but you know, I, I really think the Bears could have an okay year this year, especially if maybe they can leapfrog Minnesota, but I think that defense is too much for them. Yeah, agreed. Seems like the Bears start the season with an AFC team every single year. I don't know why. Ooh, look at that. There should be some kind of ACC versus Big Ten trophy going on because it's all NFC North teams on the road at AFC South teams wow. to start the season. Um, 
So we'll talk about the Packers one last. But while we're talking about that, the Lions traveled to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. And uh, I guess you did the first two first, and I, I'll do the next two. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Detroit can muster any kind of offense now that uh, the old chucker Matthew Stafford doesn't have a good chucking receiver on his team. So uh, I'll stay with the Colts. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you once again here. I, I think this is the demise of the, the Matt Stafford Detroit Lions this year, um, and I think the Colts bounce back. Man, if the demise is worse than what is normally the output of the Matt Stafford Lions, then this could be really bad for them. Well, for the Lions, I, that was their golden age for the last <laughs> five, six true. years. Yeah, it's their best period that they've had since, uh, you know, the space age. Yeah, they had a good time in the 50s, but pretty much, yeah, this is the glory years since then, the last few years. Um, the Browns at the Eagles. I really want to watch this game. I was just going to say, this might be the game I'm looking forward to the most. <laughs> Who's going to start uh, for the Eagles? Uh, Chase Carson Daniel? Carson Wentz is starting. Oh, Carson Wentz is starting. Wow. And RG3, I assume? Yeah. Okay, who you got then? Um... I, I was going to pick Philly, but I think knowing that Wentz is going to start, now I'm going to switch it. I'm going to pick the Browns here. I, just a little more experience, I guess. I think both rosters are equally bad, but I just might trust RG3 a little bit more. Didn't you have Philadelphia being ridiculously bad in your preseason picks? I sure did, and now I'm taking a win away from them I expected them to have. So, yeah. even worse now. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I have to. Oof. Yeah, because Wentz is banged up. When he did play, he didn't play that well. And now and Chase Daniels the backup, and I, I oh. didn't see a whole lot of him in the preseason, but what, from what I did see, it was pretty bad. Yeah, and they have a lot of new parts. Who I don't even know who their running back is. Ryan Matthews is the starter. Oh, Ryan Matthews is still there. Okay, uh, well, I'll still take... Huh. You know what, I'll, since we were the same every time, I'll just take Philadelphia because, I don't know, RG3, I was like, well, at least he could run or something, but then he'll probably get hurt by the second quarter, yeah. so... I'll just take Philadelphia to mix it up, but gosh, yeah, I want to watch that real bad. The Bills at the Ravens. Um, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I can go ahead here. I, I think I'll pick Buffalo. I, this could be a really good game, though. I'm, I'm looking forward to this one, too. But, I mean, mm-hmm. Flacco coming back and I uh, in his first game back, and you got a Bills team that really needs to win this year. Rex Ryan's probably gone. Tyrod Taylor might be gone. That whole team might be gone. So I, I think the Bills are desperate and win. Yeah. I think I'm going to take – didn't Baltimore get Justin Forsett? They cut him, and now he's is he back yeah. on the practice squad? Weird move, I guess so. Yeah, they they have a really strange backfield. I only looked it up because I had drafted Forsett at the end of my fantasy draft. But they they have him, and then two of their – one of their backup running backs is suspended. The other one's on the pup for six weeks. So they basically had, like, one running back left. So they kind of had to get somebody back. How the heck did he clear waivers? I, he was pretty bad last year. I think he okay. averaged about three yards a carry. Okay, but still a guy who led his team in rushing once in the past. It's just it's weird. Just two years ago, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Buffalo's the better team, but I just don't trust them on the road, especially early on. So I'll, I'll take Baltimore. I know it's Flacco's first game in like a year, but we'll we'll go with them. The Chargers at the Chiefs. Um, I pretty easy one for me here. I think I'll I'll take the Chiefs at Arrowhead. I have the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, so I can't have them. Yeah, I can't have them lose to San Diego in the first game at home. So, agreed. The Raiders at the Saints. Gosh, man, I wish the Packers weren't playing this week. I want to watch all these bad teams duke it out. This could be a shootout. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. It probably will be pretty high scoring, but I'll take the upstart Raiders. Um, I think I am going to as well. Um, yeah, I, I think at first I thought the Saints would maybe be better this year, but seeing some of them in the preseason and maybe listening to what you had said about it, it just – I they don't have anything. And if Drew Brees yeah. has any kind of drop-off, they, they're in deep, deep trouble. And uh, the Superdome lost its – kind of automatic win advantage for the uh, Saints a couple years ago, so I'll take Oakland. The Falcons at Buccaneers. I'm sorry, the Buccaneers at the Falcons, which could also be a pretty good game. Mm-hmm. I will take um, I'll take Tampa Bay in this game. I don't know why. I just feel like they're going to be good this year, and they're going to start it off with a win. Yeah, I agree. I think they'll be good, too, and I could definitely see one. I'm going to pick the Falcons. It seems like Julio Jones just dominates in the first couple weeks of the season every single year, and they're at home. I'll pick Tampa later in the season when it's in Tampa, but I'll mm-hmm. take the the Falcons at home here. Yeah, that's I mean, that definitely could happen. The Bengals at the Jets, which I'm 90% sure is the one I'll actually have to watch. And well, yeah. the, we 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 have the Packer game, but uh, that's the one you can also flip back to. So, uh, uh I'm assuming it's Ryan Fitzpatrick is the quarterback. Yep. I'll, I'll take the Bengals. They're just more talented. I think the Jets pl- overplayed last year, and their record wasn't really reflective of how good they were. Yeah, and I, do you know if AJ Green is playing, if he's completely healthy now at this point? I know he got a little banged up. I do not know. I know his injury wasn't that bad, and they said he would have returned to that game had it been in the regular season, and I think that was okay. week two or three of the preseason, so I'd imagine he's okay. Yeah, I'm real tempted to pick the Jets here. I can't pull the trigger, though. I'll pick Cincy on the road. <laughs> I also picked Cincinnati to go to the Super Bowl because I'm real. I didn't learn anything from my Miami Dolphins in the AFC Championship <laughs> game from last year, so I guess I have to ride these teams <laughs> early on at least to not look like a hypocrite. The Dolphins at the Seahawks. Um, Miami doesn't stand a chance. Seattle. Yep, same here. The Giants at the Cowboys, which will be our nat. Well, maybe we'll get Lions Colts, but um, maybe I want to watch Giants Cowboys with Dak Prescott starting at quarterback. Yeah, that should be a good game, too. Um, I'm just so I'm tired ha- of that matchup. We've seen every Giants-Cowboys game since, like, 2003. I just can't take it. Yeah, this is a tough one. I, I think I'm going to have to go with New York on the road just because you've got a rookie starting. The rest of that team is so bad. But mm-hmm. I, they could very well just run crazy over that Giants defense, and I wouldn't be surprised if they won. But I'll, I'll go New York. Yeah, with a new – well, not a new coaching staff. Wasn't was When was McAdoo with us? It's been a couple of years, at least. Because he was at least the Giants' old coordinator last year, right? Yeah, I think the last two. Okay, so I guess it's not that different. They just wanted the crusty old figurehead out of there, right? Yeah, way. So that's so weird that you fire your two-time Super Bowl champion coach because they're not producing, and then you keep uh, the rest of his staff that's gone 6-10 and 10 the last two years. Yeah. Um, I'll take Dallas in the – I don't know if it's an upset, considering where the Giants are coming from. I would but, say so. Yeah, well, I'll take them at home. That just seems like that's what will happen. Sunday night football, Jimmy Garoppolo heads to Arizona to play the Cardinals. Um, if Tom Brady was playing, I'd be pretty confident to say that New England was going to win. Um, Arizona, I know it's the preseason, but if you've read all my stupid articles that I've been producing since this podcast has exist, that preseason seems to mean some things a little bit, and Arizona has been atrocious in the preseason they're one of only two teams maybe the only team to allow over 100 points they got torched when their number ones were on the field against Houston and I think they'll beat the Patriots because I don't think Garoppolo will play very well on the road but um I I could see the Cardinals being your big slide team this year that maybe even doesn't make the playoffs 
Yeah, I could see it too, but not this game, I don't think. I don't, I don't know how the Patriots do it without Brady. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. Um, but, you know, if Carson Palmer has a Carson special where he throws four interceptions, it could pay, maybe happen as long as Garoppolo takes care of the football. Mm-hmm. The Monday night doubleheader. First, we have the Steelers at the Redskins, so, <laughs> which I guess could be okay. That could be kind of fun. Yeah. Who do you got in that one? Um, I'll take, I guess I'll take Pittsburgh on the road. Um, I will take Pittsburgh as well. I think Washington's, I don't know, I, I have to see them have two back-to-back successful seasons before I expect it to happen. Granted, it's only week one and they're at home, but I think Pittsburgh. The reason I, I laugh is because the controversy is going to be the second game where the Rams are playing at the 49ers, and we've seen kind of the growth of this uh, Colin Kaepernick story with uh, his protest during the national anthem. But um, I think, obviously, everybody's within their rights to feel how they want to feel about this. Uh, I tend to think, especially the way he modified it to say he's going to donate money, and now he's no longer sitting on the bench. He's coming to take a knee to try to show more unity with his teammates and, and more respect. Um I, I tend to think that um, he's doing it for the right reasons, and I think he's sincere. But I think I find it funny that there's so many people who are just so mad about how disrespectful he is and all that. And then right before that, being the great team representing the nation's capital, or the team with a racial slur as a mascot. <laughs> it just is a perfect kind of, you know, maybe Colin's got a, a reason to take a knee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But who's going to win the game? Uh, we're on the Rams now, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm going to pick the Rams. I, I think I've got the hard knocks uh, fever here. Uh, you, you watch a team. I kind of felt the same way with the Texans. Like, man, you watch these guys work so hard. How are they possibly going to lose? Yeah. And I think the 49ers are just really bad. I, I don't really believe in the Rams, but I think they're better. Yeah, this is easily a game that I'm going to be able to skip since it starts at 9.30 our yeah. time. But I, th- I tend to agree with you. I think San Francisco is just a mess, and they can't really do anything on offense. And at least the Rams have a dominant running back that they can just kind of chisel away. Um, who's going to start for them? Keenum? Keenum, yep. Okay, well, good luck with that when you're not playing San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and then the big one. The Green Bay Packers on the road to play the upstart Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, this is a game that... Uh, I don't know what the weather is going to be like, but I know Vic Ketchman on Packers.com has been talking all offseason like the surface of Venus is nicer than Jacksonville in uh, September. So we'll see how the weather plays a part. But uh, who do you think is going to win? I'm real scared of this one. Yeah. I I, I think I've got to pick Green Bay. They they don't seem to drop a lot of games like this to like these up-and-coming teams that much, unless it's the Colts, I guess. Um, man. I could definitely see them losing, but I think I just... Jacksonville, although we all think they're kind of on the rise here, they did only win five games last year, I believe. Yeah. You know, you're coming against a veterans Packer team that's going to want it bad still. So I I guess I'm going to pick Green Bay, but not super confidently. I picked the Jaguars to win this game when I did my preseason predictions. And... If it was like week four, I I think I would have, because... It might sneak up on him a little bit, but being week one in a full you know, offseason of preparation for this, I, I just kind of find it hard to see. Yeah, and I, I still think that the, I think the, the, the offense is up and coming with Jacksonville, and they got the two Allens who are going to be tough to stop, and they got, some good run, they got a good running attack. Um, Blake Bortles really came on in the second half of last year, but their defense was still 
horrible last year. And you think that unless they have a great improvement, that the Packers will be able to match them score for score, and they're not hopefully going to make as many turnovers as Jacksonville does. So agreed, I'm incredibly fearful of this game, and I think the Packers could definitely lose, but um, I feel like it would be kind of silly to put that much stock in a team that's won what 11 games in the last three years. So, so I will take the Packers as well. Okay. So man, I, I'm, I guess regardless of what happens, I'm just, uh, this preseason really flew by to me and I'm still really glad that the regular season is here, but it usually, by the time it gets here, I'm all like, gosh, it feels like it's been forever. And to me, it felt like the preseason just started and now the regular season's here. Yeah, I agree. It kind of catches you off guard. They've got a game coming on in just a few days. I, I can't wait. I can't wait for that first real action. The preseason has been fun, but let's get some real. Well, yeah, absolutely. And Matt, you said that before we went on the air, we were talking to each other that you're going to grill. What are you going to grill tonight? Oh, man, you put me on the spot here. It's nothing special, just some chicken. Oh, well, that's all I'm grilling tonight, too. We're okay. A couple of chickens. Good. Yeah, all right. <laughs> um, I did a meatloaf on the grill last weekend. It actually was turned out pretty good. So Pretty creative. Yeah, well, maybe uh, I was trying to think. I always wanted to be, like, the really cool person that could do a themed cookout for, like, every opponent that you could take on, but I don't know what... What do you yeah, I, all the cat teams would be a, quite a struggle with disgusting <laughs> people, I think. Well, I was thinking you wouldn't grill like the team like mascot. You'd do like cuisine from the town. Oh, you're not going to grill cats. No, I, I don't think so. Like, That's a good idea. Yeah. Everybody come over to my house. I'll have a jaguar on the big uh, <laughs> hogs. What, what is the thing that they turn the big pig on? I don't know. A uh, spittle or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I think you'd have a really hard time. Like, some of the teams would be real easy, but the, then teams like Jacksonville or, or I, I guess, actually, now that I'm looking at it, most teams, you probably could actually find a pretty good theme, but yeah, we start with a bad one for that. You could always do some crazy, like, seafood thing, I guess. Yeah. But, um, yeah, they we we have festival foods in Wisconsin, and they always have a ton of seafood, and you can get, like, shark and marlin and all this kind of stuff, and it's like, who the heck's living in Appleton? That's like, you know what? It's Tuesday night. We definitely need some marlin tonight. I don't know. It's just weird. But I'm not going to do that. I think chicken's the way to go. All right. So (laughs) that's a bizarre way to end this. But hopefully everyone's excited for the season like we are. Um, If you want to leave a comment, uh, please do so. Uh, You can actually do so on the Podbean page beneath each podcast uh, if you click on the... um, kind of the title of it it'll allow you to do a facebook comment but also you can leave a comment on facebook green and gold forever podcast if you aren't following that page please do so um also you can shoot us up on twitter um shoot us up i shouldn't say that <laughs> after <laughs> after all of that stuff that happened with clay matthews and them um yeah. <laughs> communicate with us on twitter at green gold forever um, and uh, that's the number four and also uh, download the Podbean app and follow Green and Gold Forever podcast on Podbean. It's a great app. It allows you to access uh, through your mobile device any of our shows going back the four seasons now. This will be the start of our fifth season, which is even more hard to believe than any of the other stuff we've been talking about. And so uh, you can go back and listen to any of our old episodes. So thank you so much for listening and enjoy the rest of your Labor Day and enjoy the upcoming NFL season. Take care, everyone.